I can't write this. It's a grammatical nightmare. Mao! Diddy Mao! I'm getting a cramp in my wrist. Oh, boo-hoo. After all the times I've done it, my wrist sounds like a cement mixer. Seymour, Mal, did him out! Ow! I told you, no one can climb a rope. It's physically impossible. What part of Diddy Mal don't you understand? Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF06. It is Skidder's Sense of Snow. I am Dando. I am Guy. Very nice to be here. And while you cannot see it, I am actually waving a little flag, Homer style, that says COVID free. Oh, great to see. Uh, great to hear, I should say, because I saw you post that and went, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing, folks. Um, Dando and I were meant to record this episode on Monday. We are currently recording it on Wednesday afternoon because uh, yeah, I, I uh, fell asleep at about 11 o'clock in the morning on uh, on Monday, woke up sometime in the afternoon to a message from Dando saying, hey, dude, you want to do this in half an hour? I'm like, I don't feel good. Uh, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I, ge- I generally didn't feel good. I mean, I, I sort of had the symptoms that I normally have when I feel like I've got a bit of a cold or flu going on and given the times we're in this could be something else so said to Dando uh, can you can we hold off for a little while Mr Dando very generously did so and then the lovely Louise said if you're not feeling well you better go get something stuck right up your nose uh, she phrased a little more delicately than that but yes I went to get the old COVID-19 test um, not as unpleasant as uh, some people have made it out Certainly not pleasant, but not not that bad. Is it more than a tickle? Uh, yeah, a little bit. First, they swab your tonsils with a very long sort of Q-tip or cotton bud or whatever. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, which I didn't like. That wasn't <laughs> um, part of the deal. I know, I was just expecting stuff to go up my nose. And, you know, I was sort of bracing myself for that and said, no, no, we got to do your, we got to swab your tonsils as well. And they do it both sides of your, of your throat or, or your tonsils or whatever. So... Did it one time, and I'm like, and then the second time I was like, <laughs> sorry about that, folks. It's a bit more graphic than you needed, but uh, and then they jammed it up the nose, and I was like, eh, this ain't great, but I mean, it wasn't like, um, <laughs> I think I, um, I think I illustrated it on social media with that picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger pulling that thing out of his nose in total recall. You should have waited to get a COVID test. I know it sounds silly. Waited to get a COVID test for the Homar review when Homer shoves crowns up his nose. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry my illness uh, yes, messed with our recording schedule. But uh, Mr. Davis, you've got a swab on your brain. <laughs> uh, but, but the upshot of this story is um, I was expecting to be sort of homebound for about, but well, between two and five days, because I was expecting how long that was going to be the turnaround for the test. Got a, a text message at about 6am this morning saying, prognosis negative, or yeah, a negative, out- a negative outcome or a negative result was a positive outcome, which means I am COVID-free. Yes. And I'm also yeah, feeling better very, from very the good. old cold and flu kind of deal as well. So Yeah, so Skinner's sense of snow... Really, really enjoyed this one. I just want to say before we start, though, a shout out or a tribute to, I mentioned this in the Patreon page today, our family dog, Jack, was put down today. 
18 oh. years strong. It's a solid innings from a, from a dog, isn't it, Mr. Davis? It is indeed. Yes, I mean, it, it's always wonderful when you've uh, yeah got a pet who's been sticking around for a long time. My uh, my old cat Jackson made it to 20 years old and loved every day wow. of his life. I'm, I'm assuming it was the same for Jack. I saw that terrific picture of him you put on the Facebook group. He looked like a, a wonderful, wonderful pal. We uh, wish him Godspeed as he crosses the Rainbow Bridge and, you know, he's probably chasing sticks and getting belly rubs and all that other good stuff in doggy heaven as we speak. I told the patients, I tell the story of how we obtained Jet. Uh, not Jet, Jack. I always say Jack and Jack, confused. Um, <laughs> so basically, my dad, is, he likes to go hunting, goes hunting quite a bit, rabbits and foxes and whatnot. And God, foxes. he was out hunting. Yeah, I know, because they kill the baby lambs and everything. I know, I know. <laughs> um, uh, so my dad was out hunting one day and there was this dog just running down the side of the road. But this dog was really, really skinny, really, really thin, had no collar on. And my dad was like, well, I can't leave this thing here. You know, my, I know I'm a hunter, but I'm not going to leave this dog here. It's a, it's a dog and it's, it's, it clearly needs some sort of nourishment. So my dad pulls over and he said he opened up the door to sort of go out to see him and the dog just ran past him, jumped in my dad's ute and wouldn't get out. <laughs> and that's when my dad was like, well, it must be someone's pet. And it, it, it's clearly Jack had been abandoned out in the, out in the countryside here in Australia, uh, in, in Geelong, I should say, mm-hmm. out towards Anarchy Way. But yeah, he wouldn't get out of the car. So dad came home one day with this new dog and uh, it was an, we called him Jackaroo because he jumped up on his back feet all the time. He was an absolute nightmare, but I always compared him. Very, he's very much like Santa's little helper. You know, you couldn't teach him anything. He was absolutely insane, but he was the most loyal dog you could think of. You know so, what I mean? Yeah, so An absolute rat bag of a dog that you could not help but love. Yes, but the older he got, the more he quietened down. It's funny because... My mum, I wouldn't say my mum my mom hated Jack, but she didn't really want him because we already had a dog and she was like, it's another mouth to feed. He's digging holes. He's chewing shit up. He's just being naughty. But by the end, my mum softened up and I can tell she was sad to see him go too. <laughs> All right, well, rest in peace, Jack. You will be missed. Yes, Jackaroo, a shout out to you, buddy. We'll miss you. But now, Skinner's sense of snow. I really enjoyed this. There were a few elements that I posted in the Patreon group saying, for example, they're snowed in. It's only the front doors, the top windows and whatnot weren't snowed in. So I didn't quite understand why they couldn't just climb out a window and somehow escape if they really wanted to. But it was brought to my attention that if you jump onto snow, it's like hitting concrete and you could sink in the snow if you go through, much like what uh, Nibbles does when he's in the ball, he sinks down to the bottom. So I guess that sort of throws that theory out. Plus there's wolves out there waiting to get them as well. But still, if I put that aside, if you put the, the, the fact that they, they probably could escape aside... I love the dynamic between Skinner and the kids. I thought that was really, really fun. I really enjoyed the dynamic of Flanders and Homer. I thought that was really, really solid as well. And just overall, I'm just a sucker for a Christmas episode. I'm a big kid when it comes to Christmas time. And yeah, whenever it's a Christmas-themed episode, it automatically goes into the positive. It's a positive episode in my eyes for being a Christmas episode. But if it's shit, I'll still see it as okay because I just love Christmas so much. (laughs) So yes, it's like pizza. Even if it's bad pizza, it's still pizza. Um, It's still pizza. That's all right, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm not as huge a Christmas buff as you are, Dando, but I mean, I still enjoyed this episode very, very much. I thought it was, uh, yeah, not, you know, upper tier, all-time champion kind of Simpsons episode, but uh, yeah, a a lot of good stuff and a lot of uh, good funny lines. Ones that I'd, I I don't think I'd seen this uh, episode probably since it premiered i'd probably seen it once and that's okay. it but you know there were lines in here that um i remember really enjoying and sort of recycling back in the day uh when we talk about our favorites i'll, I'll be certainly be talking about one of those um and yep. again 
as is uh, keeping with season 12, a lot of, you know, <laughs> fairly raunchy one-liners and gags in there, <laughs> uh, which, of course, we'll talk about as well. But, uh, yeah, generally, yeah, a good A story with, uh, with the kids and Skinner in the school, a good B story with Homer and Flanders in the car, some, uh, some nice shout-outs to previous episodes. Uh, yeah, yeah, an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable little romp. And um, not not necessarily a great ending, but an ending. Yes, I was about to say at least it was a nice. It was nice to sort of have a simple story compared. Not, when I say simple, it's still a bit wacky, but simple compared to what we've been having the last few weeks with the absolute absurdity and wackiness. And it was nice that, like you just said, there was somewhat of an ending. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they stuck the landing this time around. Good on them. Hey, my favorite. Uh, so, what was your favorite moment? I just remember using this line a lot for some reason back in the early 2000s. Uh, it's when uh, it looks like the... Um, well, everyone is escaping the uh, Cirque de Puree because of the storm and everything, but uh, Homer's not having any of that. He he demands that they nourish the child within. Nourish! <laughs> <laughs> I, for some reason, I remember just sort of appropriating that line and using it a lot. Um, back in the day, just, um, I don't know, when watching, uh, yeah, when watching TV shows or, or anything that sort of, I think this was around the time, I don't know if the Harry Potter movies had come out at this stage. I think well, that was 2001. That so was 2001. Not quite, yeah. Yeah, but certainly the books were around and I think I was probably using those. Um, my wife at the time, my ex-wife, uh, was a big fan of those. And I was always saying, are they nourishing the child within? Nourish. Um, which, is, which is why I was single for a while. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Um, it's, always, it's always nicer, like you say, that there's quotes that you use from The Simpsons that you sort of forget where they come from. And then all of a sudden you watch an episode and you go, ah, oh, there's that quote I use all the time. Absolutely. And I think there was another one in there. I mean, I don't know if I use this quite as much, but um, I remember really digging that Ponty uh, clown uh, in the circus. Oh, the, ho- um, like the host one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Saying something about only if your heart is pure or puree. <laughs> I, I, I really love the way that they had the crowd sort of give a little bit of a giggle as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, but- yeah, Dan, Dan, you know me and you know my admittedly shit sense of humor um i'm the i'm the kind of person who would probably say things like that oh do you mean such and such or search and search <laughs> that's like we're having a few issues at work with our website right <laughs> and I, the, the other day someone says something at the website and me being classic dad say more like web shite am i right <laughs> <laughs> It's it's one oh, of my man. it's one of my favorite type of gags. It's uh, uh, more like such and such. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a great gag to do. So yeah. So having oh, or puree. I don't know. I just I just really love that. And of course, you know, flags. Homer Homer waving yes. flags. So but um, his little his little bin of flags. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, yeah. Now nourish the child within me. Nourish is yeah probably my favorite bit of this episode. I really enjoyed Homer watching the um, the banter with the people playing football, and then when he, like he just goes tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to say that actually, oh, all that opening stuff with the uh, the sports guys doing banter and all that and making fun of each other's shit fashions, that definitely reminded me of my old man back in the day because when he was um, mm, yeah. when he was doing TV and world, with World of Sport and this other show called League Teams. Um, Which what, what arguably the biggest one of the biggest sporting shows of all time in our country. 
Oh, um, you, you, you could certainly say that. It paved the way for sort of comical sports-based TV programming in Australia. I will agree with you on that point. Absolutely, yes. And uh, But... Uh, I mean, when I was growing up and when I was a child back in the 1970s, um, I'd you know, go up and watch Dad and his, uh, his colleagues doing their show. And this was a terrible time for men's fashions. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of them were wearing very loud plaid, very loud ties. Mostly my dad was doing this. My dad, God rest his soul, um, he, was a, he, liked to, he liked to dress up, my, my old man, and, uh, but... He was doing it in the 1970s, and he had some really leery fucking ties, man. <laughs> so, yes. So, this gave me a little bit of a flashback. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. At least you can, at least the Simpsons can remind you the, the positives of your dad. It's the, it's the positives, I'm assuming? <laughs> oh, absolute positive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm going to see if I can... I'll find some old photos of, of dad wearing, um, yeah, some very garish 70s fashions. I also love Brockman's roads closed, pipes frozen, albinos. Virtually invisible. <laughs> Ken Brockman's the gift that keeps on giving. I, I, I don't know if I said it last week or a couple of episodes before, but he's a stealth MVP of The Simpsons. Yeah, we mentioned it last week when he was talking to his um his partner and he, was, he gave her the, the farewell. That's right. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow or something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> Always delivers. Yeah, rarely yes. disappoints. <laughs> and finally for me... It's because it was just so ridiculous. But Nelson's attempt at trying to be a hero, and then when he smashes his head into the, like the wall, and the the chaos that ensues with the bike just bouncing around the room and the kids scrambling, <laughs> <laughs> that was it just kept, it just kept going. I don't know why it tickled me so much, but God, it was just it just I just laughed my head off. <laughs> also, I loved how um they everyone initially hated the relish. You know, they only had like an yeah. apple and a and a uh, handful of relish each. And then, you know, when they started running amok and had sort of the control of the school, they just went mad for the relish and everybody loved it. Yeah. I know. I guess that's kind of a continuity error. Maybe they were just so high on excitement, they were just willing to eat whatever. I think so, yeah. Well, maybe they, maybe they liked the relish, but they were only allowed to have one handful, remember? So maybe they were just embracing the fact they could have a whole mouthful. Oh, good point. Although, you know, uh, Nelson did spit his out and therefore would not get any mayo. Ah, that is true. That is true. Anyway, possible continuity. We've both got our little bugbears with this episode. You were wondering why they couldn't get out the windows. I am posing this relish question. This is the thing, right? But because though they still delivered a coherent story that had a beginning, a middle, and an end, I'm willing to forgive them for slight things like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, I'm more than willing to forgive the odd continuity error or logical screw-up. I mean, that that's quite all right. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Okay, trivia for this week. I started last week. You start this week. Right. Oh, um, could you give me the complete title of the Christmas movie that Seymour uh, uh, Skinner showed the kids? The the year Christmas. <laughs> it's a bit of a wasn't, but then was or something. <laughs> oh, oh, you're very close. Um, what was it? The Christmas that almost wasn't, but then was. Oh, I said the year that Christmas almost wasn't. Damn it. That was close. <laughs> and I was about to offer you a, um, a bonus point if you could name the production company and the year it was made. 1938? That's... Ooh, you're getting half a point there. Okay. I don't know who produced it. From, cons- <laughs> from Consolidated Pictures. <laughs> consolidated Pictures. I did okay, enjoy it, I, though. I think between all that, you get a point. Okay. <laughs> okay so I'll take it. You yeah. also get a point because my, my first question is, what were the kids offered for food? <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Oh, wait, I've already forgotten. Ah, no. It was an apple and a handful of relish. That is correct. You get a point. (laughs) Um, Another question about the Christmas that almost wasn't but then was. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Milhouse moaned that the elf, no, actually, no, not the elf, the Christmas troll, had been singing for how long? Two hours? Two hours is right. Apparently it's based on an actual film. Mm, it looks like some old Bing Crosby number, like White Christmas or Holiday Inn or one of those. No, I apparently mean, it's based on some like some like like aliens invading Christmas or something. Oh, maybe it maybe Santa Claus conquers the Martians. That's it, that. That's it. Yeah, that's which it. is widely regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. I've never actually seen yeah. it. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. But um, <laughs> with a title like that, how can you? How far could you go wrong? Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Yeah. So the title's based on the '66 film, The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. And then it's, the film itself is a reference to B-grade 50s and 60s themed Christmas movies, including predominantly Santa Claus and Conquest the Martians. Yes. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I did like that little troll, because that's the other thing I remember. Was like, I spend my days pitching woo to you. It's a good, 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 good little singer. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually pretty scary when they came in. They were, oh, they 100% were. Because, uh, a um, bit of a sidetrack, but I... Yes, while I was lying in my sick bed last night, I was going through that, um, and I'm, I'm not paid by these guys, but that uh, streaming service Tubi that I mentioned the other day, home of all manner of you know shit B movies, and I watched one called Tourist Trap from the seventies. Um, it was absolute garbage. Oh, I've got I've got the I've got the LP soundtrack for that. <laughs> the soundtrack's actually pretty good because I mean I was yeah I was uh, watching it going, okay, there's maybe three things in this that work. The um, the creepy mannequins. In this sort of uh, wax museum, where the where all the horror takes place, it's mm-hmm. got um, <laughs> an actress slash Playboy bunny, I think, uh, named Tanya Roberts, uh, who sort of looked like a seventies version of Megan Fox. Um, okay. And did I say the soundtrack? Yeah, the soundtrack, which was yeah, which was really good. Otherwise, it was garbage. But the um, <laughs> but the uh, horrible mannequins looked a lot like the Christmas trolls from the Christmas that almost wasn't, but then was. So, well, it's um, funny because I haven't actually watched the film, but the the front cover of the LP, um, so you've said it's a mannequin, it actually kind of looks at first glance like Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It does. So the, person it, yeah. that bought me, the person that bought me the LP thought that they bought me Texas Chainsaw Massacre because they just looked at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, it's got a really great poster and great sort of, uh, yeah, spooky imagery. And then I was watching the movie going, oh, God, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes. Um, yeah, your next question, sir. What was Homer hoping to see at the circus? Did he want to see like a gorilla explode or something? A gorilla shot out of a cannon, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, I was half right. Yeah, you could have half a point. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I guess if you, fire, if you fired a gorilla out of a cannon, it probably would explode. So you can have a full point. Take it. I'll Just take it. it. I'll take it. I'll take the win. Um, Ken Brockman, our friend Ken Brockman... Uh, said the storm had up- been upgraded from what to what? Uh, winter Wonderland to Class 3 Killstorm. That is correct. Um, by the way, uh, Class 3 Killstorm, I reckon, would be a great title for one of those, like, you know, Storm Chaser movies or like a Day After Tomorrow kind of ripoff. Just Killstorm. Yeah. Killstorm's a Just kill, name. Killstorm is great, isn't it? Killstorm's fucking rad. I might actually that- try to start writing something called Killstorm. It sounds like a good um, gladiator name. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Or a good wrestler. On one side, Killstorm. <laughs> <laughs> My next question is actually in relation to that. In that news story, what 
image is used when Brockman is describing it. Oh. No, I'm sorry, Blanken. What is it? Tell me. It is Frosty the Snowman. Well, I'm just calling it Frosty the Snowman. An evil Frosty with an (laughs) icicle dagger. Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, My next question. Homer wrote the song, so he says, Feel Like Making Love as a tribute to whom? Well, I know one. Oh, no, two. Is it Princess Di and Dodie? (laughs) Yeah, Princess Di and Dodie. (laughs) Got to be honest, don't know who Dodie is. Uh, Dodie was her supposed boyfriend who also died oh, in the Oh, okay. Who also died okay. in the car crash back in 97. Mm-hmm. Dodie El Fayed, I believe. How long was the circus in town for? Oh, uh, six months, wasn't it? Eight months. Eight months. Eight months. Okay. I knew it was a, a, a prolonged period of time. Apologies, listeners, by the way, if you can hear shenanigans happening outside. I think my parents have just arrived at our house and all I can hear is, Grandbad, Grandad, Grandad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's rush through this and uh, we'll no 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 need to rush now. Nicola's got a babysitter now; she's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, I wanted to sort of reunite the whole Dando family, you know, make it a a real sort of touching, uh, you know, reunion thing. But anyway. yes, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there. There's time. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, is it my question? My question. I believe so. Yes, because I just asked the eight month question. Yes. Okay then. Uh, Skinner spent hours crossing the sass back out of which particular book? Uh, Huckleberry Finn? Huckleberry Finn is correct. Now, if you notice in that scene, actually, I remember I put it in my notes, when he says that, he must the original dialogue must have been different because the mouth does not match what he says at all. They must have Ooh. changed the dialogue at the last minute, yeah. Mm. Oh, that was my, uh, my laptop making a big sound. I might just mute that laptop. There we go. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. My uh, <laughs> next question is, what does the radio host describe the storm as when they're leaving the circus? It's a classic something meets something. Oh, is it a classic nor'easter meets a southwester? Yes, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that the end, or have we got one more question each? I, I think I think we've gone through them all. I, it's safe to say we all got to be we pretty much nailed all the questions. Well, I th- this, is, this is what happens when it's a a good coherent story. You pay attention to details and you remember mm. things, and you're not focusing on the negative. So, well done, whoever wrote this episode. Well and done result, to well done to Tim Long. We're all winners. <laughs> we're all we are winners. all winners. Which means Hooray. it's now time, now time, Mr. Davis, now the trivia's wrapped up, for some new names. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, Mr. Davis, before we get into the new names, we need to read out our beloved patrons. We've got Jordan Molmer, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zur, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Burleson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Winemixer, and George McManamy. Thank you so much, guys. And also a shout out to our new $5 plus patron, Kieran Mack. You guys are all absolute champions. Okay, the current leaderboard stands at this, and it's correct now. All the, the patrons thanked you, Mr. Davis, for keeping your notes because <laughs> that's actually correct. So, tied in third position, we have three people. We have. Alistair Danik on four, Nicole Catalina, wine mixer on four, mm-hmm. and Ian Gordon on four. In second position, tied both on five points, we have Dave Abbott-Smith and Josh Hedge. And in first position, six points each, D.L. Gorman and Garod Harahill. So what have we got this week? Uh, but a few honourable mentions before we get to the actual points. Steve Roberts with Snow More Mr. Nice Guy, I thought was pretty good. That's good, yeah. Gear, our man Gilroyd Harahill. He had a couple of good ones. Freeze the day, 
mm-hmm. and Too Cool in School, I thought were not bad at all. Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer with School Runnings. That's very, very good. Mm, I liked it. Man, I, and- I, I, th- th- there must be some absolute rippers at the start if these are the, the notables. <laughs> and uh, Deal Gorman had a good one with Snowpocalypse Mao. So the, the mm. so the, the the top people are not in the uh, in the leaderboard. It's very exciting. Ah, uh, well, you never can tell. I mean, uh, I might be throwing a bit of curveball here. But anyway, mm. one point, one point, one point goes to Joel Yaland or Yaland. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, I've got that correct, Joel. But uh, for the Skinner of our discontent, not um, bad. Yeah, Joel Yaland yeah. on one point, you have entered the leaderboard. Hmm. Uh, two points. To Josh Hedge. Whoa, with, he has taken the lead. Ah, uh, with schools in for winter, as opposed yes. to schools out for summer. Very good. I, I like the way, I like the cut of his jib with that one. But three points <laughs> go to uh, someone who's not unfamiliar with uh, the upper echelons of the leaderboard. It's D.L. Gorman with let it do, let it do, let it do. Oh, well done. You do love your dough puns, don't you? I do like my dough puns, and this was a particularly good one and relevant to this episode. So, we now have an outright third in Garode Harrowhill on six. We have second position Josh Hedge on seven, and D.L. Gorman, two clear of Josh, on nine points. Now, before we get into the review, Mr. Davis, of Skinner's Sense of Snow, we're going to go through some of the new names that were contributed by our followers on Twitter, Instagram as well. Oh, so our twit wits. Yes, our twit wits. Follow us on Twitter, at Four Finger Pods. So we've got a couple here, some of my favorites, from at the Tim Whitehead. He says, the bike that couldn't slow down. Mm-hmm. You can, a lot of mileage out of couldn't slow down jokes, I think. that That is the gift that keeps on giving. Rhyming snow with dough as well. But we had uh, this one's from at Supernova Dragon. They say snow escape. Ooh, mm, not bad. And finally, here from at Jake Walsh ninety five, he says, "Since there's no place to go, let it annoyed grunt." <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for contributing there. Also on Instagram, we had one at Four Figure Discount on Instagram. This one's from at Danny Laplanche. They say the episode that almost wasn't, but then was. <laughs> and I also asked our followers on Facebook as well what their thoughts were on the episode. And it seems the consensus was that there's a lot of people out there that really enjoy this episode and have a soft spot for it. And I don't think it's just because it has the Christmas element. I think it's because what I've done is maybe realize just how important it was for episodes to make it onto those compilation DVDs and VHS tapes in the in the 90s and early 2000s. Because... At that point, it was the only way to be able to watch The Simpsons on demand. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it seems this episode um, has really benefited from being on the um, on the Christmas-themed uh, collection that it, that it was on. I think also The Grift of the Magi was on there as well and a couple of other Christmas episodes. So Skin of Sense of Snow seems to be a, a favorite for a lot of people, um, even ones who don't really like the show post-season 10. The voice had a soft spot for this one. And I think because it was on that compilation, it, it really helped it uh, stick in the memories of, of a lot of uh, fans of the show. So um, yeah, I did... I never sort of realized just how important those compilations were back in the day, but it's right. I mean, it was the only way to watch The Simpsons whenever you felt like it without commercials. Oh, yeah. Look, you kids don't know how good you've got it these days of streaming and everything on demand. Oh, back in my day, it used to be, you know, you took what you were given. Oh, bloody hell. No, but that, that's selling Skinner's uh, sense of snow a little short. I think, it's a, I think it's a fine episode, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It is, uh, you know, one that you sort of have at your beck and call is, uh, yeah, one I think that you are going to sort of have a bit of a soft spot for as well. You're right. All right, so let's get into our review of Skinner's Sense of Snow. 
Let's. The original air date was December 17th in the year 2000. So this was just prior to Christmas. I like it. I, always, I do mention this every time, but I do like it when the Christmas episodes air nearly at Christmas and the Halloween episodes air almost bang on, on uh, actual Halloween. So yeah. It's I a nice bit of synchronicity. That. Yes. It we is all definitely. That. Uh, the chalkboard gag is science class should not end in tragedy. And the couch gag is a football is tossed into the center of the living room. All the uh, family of players, they all jump in. And Mackie gets out and does a little spike of the football, a little jig. <laughs> How's the episode kick off, Mr. Davis? The episode kicks off with a flag. <laughs> well, <laughs> Homer holding a uh, TV sports flag because he indeed is watching uh, football on TV. The post-game wrap-up, basically. Yeah, post-game or pre- was it post-game or pre-game? I don't know. Oh, maybe pre-game. Yeah, just just the, the banter that the it's the the men's club and every sports show that they have their little banter. Yeah, bit of colour commentary, uh, and particularly colourful commentary by some uh, very well-dressed uh, former sportsmen and commentators. <laughs> Welcome back to Pigskin Preview. Denver Green Bay, who do you like? That's football, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take the Broncos in this game because the Packers will be blinded by Jerry's tie. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. I'm more worried about Al's jacket. How many stations can you get on that thing? (laughs) (laughs) All right, listen. I am sick of your jokes about the wardrobe. You people can dress yourselves. Well, folks, you've got a point. Uh, With all our unscripted horseplay, we sometimes don't think about... Lenny, are you watching this? Yeah, they really hurt that guy's feelings. I know. I mean, it was very cliche for the... For them to give the wardrobe guy the the lisp, you know what I mean. But still, it was funny. <laughs> it, wa- it was kind of funny. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and admittedly, one of the, uh, one of the uh, commentators did realise they'd gone a bit too far with poking fun at the each other's fashions, and was suitably remorseful. So yeah, a, ni- a nice a nice cap out of that gag. Lenny calls Homer. Did you see that? Yeah, he really upset that guy. <laughs> 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 the family are all uh, ready to go to the circus. They've all got their tickets. Homer's not so uh, eager to go, but they eventually drag him in there and he puts his flag away, brings out the French circus flag. <laughs> oh, so I did like the little, uh, the whole thing about, uh, oh, we've had tickets in September, uh, but I want to watch Bet Favre. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the circus now, and Lisa is explaining that this circus doesn't believe in refunds or animal exploitation. <laughs> I want to see a gorilla fight out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think there was a bit of a generational divide when it came to circuses there for a while. I mean, I've, I've forgotten exactly when they started sort of phasing animals out of circuses, but it was probably, yeah, around this time. I mean, maybe from 10 years, mid- 10, 10 to 15 years ago, I'd say, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was sort of like, yeah, no more wild animals. And then it was no more, you know, prancing ponies and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, they, you, instead you got things like the Cirque du Soleil, which is clearly influenced for the Cirque du Pure, where it was all, you know, sort of acrobats and, and that kind of business, which is, eh, it's fine. But yeah, like Homer, some people just want to see a gorilla shot out of a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> the worker here saying, no, one day we will die. And then he disappears. That, those are the kind of moments where I don't, I wish they didn't do. So there's, there's, there's two moments in this episode. There's that one where the, the guy just disappears into thin air and mm. then when the permanent record like puts itself back together and closes the draw. Those two moments, I sort of went, ah, you're stretching reality a little bit too much for my okay. liking there. But, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. 
We then have the circus and we get the clown that you mentioned earlier. My note here just says, classic banter with the crowd. Just the look on his face and the delivery. It's, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm trying... Oh. Did you ever have that uh, situation where you'd, you'd go to like a silver circus or something like that and, you know, a clown would get in your face or try to make you part of the show? Did you ever have that? I've never had someone... I've had a comedian try to make me part of the show. I didn't like that at all. Um, but ne- never at the circus. I've only been... To, I've honestly only been to the circus once and I was very young when we went. Yeah, I never, never really went. Yeah, I think I only ever went to one or two in Australia. And as I, as I said in a previous episode, when we uh, did the Davis family tour through Europe, sort of the Griswold family uh, European vacation, I went to a couple of circuses in Russia uh, where they they actually had dancing bears and they didn't have a gorilla shot out of a cannon, unfortunately. But no, I, I can't recall ever sort of being... I think I might have got hassled by a clown once, <laughs> but not to the point where I sort of like dragged out and been and made to be part of the show. I'm sorry, I'm not there. You're there to entertain me. Don't you know? If you're going to force me to be part of the show, give me a cut of the earnings. Give me give me yeah. some of the box office. Yeah, I've paid to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I said, nourish the child within. Nourish, entertain me. Homer, Homer as well. I can't get it open. Just smash it open. <laughs> <laughs> and Marge. Oh, man, they always pick the guy with the wires. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. That did seem very sort of Ponzi Cirque du Soleil kind of deal. I cannot open my jar of rainbows. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. If I was there watching the guy... I'm doing the jerk-off gesture as, 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 we, uh, as we speak. You can't see it, folks, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Yes, gesture. <laughs> yes, gesture. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> Marge enjoys. Now I can't. Um, Marge <laughs> enjoys the the acrobats. Uh, this was this was great. Oh, you know, seeing them acrobats has really given me ideas. <laughs> the vision of her cleaning. <laughs> That was always used in a commercial on Fox 8, I remember. I think a lot of moments mm-hmm. from this were actually used. In, I think what Fox 8 used to do is they would pick an episode and just pick like the best moments and use it for their commercials just to promote The Simpsons as a whole. So I remember a lot of clips from this one, like Homer getting the junk thrusted in his face and things like that were used. Oh, often. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, the Marge is enjoying the, um, the acrobats. The family's admiring the circus. Um, and unfortunately, though, Homer has the, the crutch in the face. This I'm is where surprised the... that's not used more often as a bit of a meme. Although maybe it is. I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100 up with my memes. But people, you know, people, the use, one where... pe- people use Smithers with the female yeah, Smithers dancers. and the two strippers all the time. Yeah, yeah. that's that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> that um, that Homer, you know, getting some, yeah, getting a junk thrust is um, yeah, not used as a uh, as a reaction more often. The storm begins, everyone bails, but Homer demands, watch Mr. Davis. Nourish the child, nourish. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, I just find it so funny. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the gymnasts make a human kite and they all fly into the tree. The family are driving home. It's a hell of a storm. There's a big radio report about it and they mention how schools may be closed and Bart is very hopeful for this. So we cut Ooh. to the following morning. This was great. Springfield Elementary... My dear Watson Detective School. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a pretty good gag. I've got to say, though, I didn't think Lisa would be would welcome a snow day so much. Bart, I understand, but, you know, Lisa's kind of like, she really wants a day off school as well. I guess at the end of the day, she's still eight. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> this is the thing, though. 
it's the last day of the year. Uh, that's what I had, had in my notes at the start. I didn't get to it. Was I can understand the kids' pain. This was the last day of school for the, the, before the Christmas break, and Skitters made them come in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, you'll remember you know, how exciting the last day of school was. Oh, so good. Particularly in Australia with you know the Christmas holidays being our version of summer holidays, which are mm. incredibly long. It so, was the end um, of the year, yeah. Yeah. And it re- yeah, and it felt like forever back in the day. But I mean, uh, yeah, the end of the school year was always just so exciting because you know it's like, oh, you know, you've got months of holidays ahead of you, and then when you come back, it's like, oh, entering a whole new phase. I'm a whole new person, all that kind of business. So yeah, last days were very, very important. Yeah, the last day is where you find out what you te- who your teacher is going to be for the following year, who's going to be in your class, and you always you, know, you always got those one or two friends of yours that you really hope get put in the class and. They somehow fuck it up every year. (laughs) 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 Going to make new friends. So the kids are disappointed they uh, don't get a snow day. But Marge says, no, we don't get a snow day. We have to go to work. But Homer gets a day off and makes a snow Satan. (laughs) I did like that. It's a a very very descriptive snow demon that he's came up with. Even with the, what's that called? The, um, The pitchfork? Yeah, the pitchfork, sorry. Yeah, the pitchfork, mm-hmm. that's right, yeah. So the kids are now on their way to school. I also feel sorry for Otto, because Skidder's made Otto get out of bed to drive the kids to school. <laughs> oh, you're a very empathetic person, Dan, though, I've got to say. You're, you're, you've got a lot of sympathy for a lot of characters this time around. The kids all see the snow day going on, and Wiggum is writing with coffee, <laughs> but they, you think that he's peeing. <laughs> yeah, which makes the whole, you know, <laughs> let me help, help me get the last drops out. You, you knew where it was going, but it's still it's still it's a classic gag. It's funny, <laughs> and yeah, just a good delivery. Like, seems like a waste of perfectly good coffee, though, Chief. Mm. <laughs> We're now at the school, and we learn here from Skinner that the teachers have a, a caucus conference. <laughs> so they they've gotten out of the last day. What I did what I did appreciate here was the little details, so that the kids are unaware that they've been snowed in. So the fact that they've watched a movie that's gone the entire length of the day and Skinner has pulled the blinds down so they can't see outside either. So that's yeah. the way they can explain how they actually had no idea they were being snowed in. I like that. Good screenwriting by uh, whoever wrote this particular episode. We will mention their name uh, in a little while after we've Googled it. <laughs> so we've, um, we've mentioned the movie before. I, I did enjoy it. Yes. It's not, it's not The Grinch. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Despite uh, Seymour, sort of, yeah, I, I don't think he, de- I don't think he um, deliberately led the kids astray. I think he was just uh, trying to be descriptive, but uh, doing it all wrong or doing it in a very misleading fashion. The irony in the line coming up is that, so it, Nelson says, "Next time, get a DVD," as if to say, "Don't use an outdated medium." But now that is also an outdated medium. That medium. Too. <laughs> This is where they realise they are, they've all been snowed in. So we come back from commercial and Brockman is doing the news story. Roads closed, pipes frozen, albinos virtually invisible. The Weather Service has upgraded Springfield's blizzard from winter wonderland to a class three kill storm. Well, I don't like the sound of that class three. And where are the city's snow plows? Sold off to billionaire Montgomery Burns in a veritable orgasm of poor planning. He shoots, he scores. <laughs> Perfect form, sir. This is terrible. How will the kids get home? I don't know. Internet? How fun did Mr. Burns' snowplow baseball game look? It did, it did. It's a shame it was just um, he and Smithers. I mean, it would have been good if there was sort of like a whole, 
whole crew there having a having a blast. But you know, the two of them seem to be enjoying themselves. So yeah, who am I to who am I to judge? But it did look like a bit of a blast. What would you call that game? Um. Oh gosh, because I'm I'm wondering if there is an actual name for that kind of thing. Where let's just call it yeah. Plowball. Plowball. Okay. <laughs> Not Powerball. <laughs> Plowball. Um, Plowball. Yes. <laughs> um, so, the, so Marge says to Homer, "How are the kids going to get home? Mm-hmm. Internet." <laughs> I think. I think I might have used that line a lot as well. So yeah, this episode yeah, just kept on uh, kept on coming up with little gems because <laughs> yeah, cause, yeah, around the stage, the internet really did seem like the cure for a lot of our ills and problems. 100%. But, yeah, at this point, we didn't really know the full power of the internet yet, did we? Indeed. We just knew that it had potential. So, you know, we, if any time you had a problem, you ended up sort of uh, turning to the internet, much like we do now. The phones at the school are not working. I guess the whole sort of basis of this story is dated because now kids would just have phones and they could just tweet out what's going on they could just true. live stream they could get uber eats <laughs> yeah although you know the um the storm one might have been bad enough to uh you know knock out knock out the 4g towers and all that kind of business kearney mentions that he's not going to get a chance to go home and see his kid martin wants to fizzle <laughs> uh, finish the puzzle with his grandma doesn't want her to finish it without him <laughs> but wants to see the itchy and scratchy cartoon where they actually kiss for the first time or something along those lines which I think might be because I watched Homer as well as a double double whammy just in preparation, mm. and we see a cartoon where Itchy and Scratchy kiss in the next episode. Don't know oh. whether that was a tease for that or not. There we go. Now was this where Skinner's doing all of his all his uh, Christy Yamaguchi shoutouts? Yes, yes. And Nelson suggests that you know um, <laughs> he's part Eskimo, so he can do it. I don't care if you're Christy Yamaguchi. <laughs> yes, who by the way is an Olympic uh, figure skating champion. This is where Milhouse suggests that Skinner is actually the Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) I did like the Millhouse delivery. Skinner's the real Grinch. Yeah, getting some guts up, yeah. (laughs) Flanders and Homer are now sitting in the homemade plough. Well, I'm all for rescuing the kids, but I wish you hadn't sawed off my roof. My car, your roof. It's only fair. (laughs) But it's my car. Well, yeah. Hey, whatever happened to that plough from your old snowplough business? I never had a snowplow business. Sure you did, Mr. Plow. You're wearing the jacket right now. I think I know my own life, Ned. Oh, Mr. Plow, that's my name. That game again is Mr. Plow. Incredibly catchy. Oh, it's very, very catchy. I'm surprised it hasn't been stolen time and time again in various commercial jingles. It sort of reminded me of, of some ad for, you know, like some plumbing supply business or whatever that on Australian TV back in the day. Now that you say that, actually, I'm the same. I'm just, but I can't pinpoint what it is. Maybe I'll remember by the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll both put our thinking caps on and try to remember. Yeah, but, but in the meantime, let's talk about the rest of the episode. So kids are starving because they're only being fed apple and relish, and Nelson attempts his breakout, which I just like the kids cheering. They think he's going to be a hero, and just knocks himself out. <laughs> <laughs> the kids this is where they revolt you know they want out they want out so skinner goes into his office to regroup and think of you know plan what he's going to do what would Chalmers do no that won't work <laughs> <laughs> then he sits on his foot locker and he has the uh the flashback the nam flashbacks are always fantastic aren't they they are good i did like uh shout out to quick while the guards are partying with jane von let's get out of here how good was the, the guy so skinner's like let's let's reminisce about old candy bars and then the guy starts talking about a woman taken for bathing suit. Get back to the candy bars. Candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then the guy runs out and gets eaten by the elephant. And just goes, oh, won't let that happen again. He goes out and 
what was great about this too, this episode was that Skinner was literally a badass. Like he was taking charge and not taking any shit from the kids. Absolutely. Having said that, if I was a kid, I would too. I too would be confused by stand down. I I, I think it means sort of back off. Yeah. So like, like I thought like stand down means like if you're firing a gun, like it means stop, like calm down. Yeah, like cease fire or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, the kids are just utterly confused, which was yeah, like you said, very realistic gag, very funny. And something else that I find that I find funny, well, something I generally find funny, Sherry and Terry speaking in unison. It's like, can you t- can you two share a bag? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but the yeah, identical twins sharing one brain. I don't know. It's something I always find funny. Nelson's like, fight back. He can't put us all on hooks. <laughs> yes, I can. There's hooks for everybody. Does the maths? Yep, he can actually do that. Yeah. <laughs> Flanders and Homer are still driving. This was another element that someone pointed out in the Facebook group that. It's taken them how long to drive to the school? <laughs> <laughs> like apparently all night and all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, they hit something. I hope it's Flanders. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, you're all right. <laughs> the kids are now all going to sleep. I appreciated Nelson still sitting in a sack hanging on the, on the hook. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And Skinner puts the pee bucket next to Bart's head. Bart has a plan to tunnel out with his spoon. But unfortunately, if he does, he's in trouble because there are wolves out there who smell human meat. Oh, yes. Won't be pleasant for Bart if he gets out. Homer is now singing Feel Like Making Love by Bad Company, which he, as you mentioned earlier, dedicated to Princess Di and Dodie. Uh, you know, originally, they wanted him to be singing Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss, but they couldn't get the, uh, the, the rights to it. Oh, really? Has Kiss ever appeared on the show? Kiss have not, I do not think. The Rolling Stones have, and it was a great... One of my favourite guest appearances, actually, the, um, the one with the Rolling Stones. I think Kiss, I mean, it just makes sense, doesn't it? They're so wacky in themselves. They, they seem yeah. like the perfect fit for the Springfield universe. You would think so, but uh, well, clearly they have not. Um, so Homer and Flanders crash and they get frozen on the, on the fire hydrant. Ralph wakes up in the middle of the night. Mr. Army Man, I can't sleep without my Reggie Rabbit. Yeah, is that some sort of plush novelty? Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, here's a scouring pad. It's just as good. It's cold and hurty. What the? A tunnel. Bart's taking us out. Not on my watch, he's not. Oh, no. I know it looks like the path to freedom, but one collapse and presto, you've got a snow casket. I was going to put buttresses in. Gonna, wanna, shunna. Willie, destroy it. He did do a bunny job, sir. Defying orders, eh? Well, I see you Scotsmen are thrifty with courage, too. Okay, Skinner. That's the last time you'll slap your willy around. I quit. Fine. I'll do the job myself. Help! It's caving in! What's the problem, Seymour? Stuck? That's precisely the problem, and you know it. Now get me out of here. What's that? You want the pee bucket on your head? No, you're twisting my words. <laughs> Come on, we're taking over the school. It was a good commercial break, wasn't it? It was a good cut to commercial where you're just like, oh, shit, now where's this episode going to go yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lunatics have taken over the asylum moment. Exactly, yeah. They come back. Bart is wearing Skinner's uniform. The kids are putting Skinner in a dodgeball bag. And we got the montage of all the kids just going nuts and having a great time. Bart in particular is sort of feeling his power 
uh, as you said, he's wearing the uh, wearing the army jacket and uh, doing the old deer hunter uh, Vietnamese cry of Diddy Mao. Diddy Mao. How fucking great is that? Every time he says Diddy Mao. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, though, we have Flanders and Homer still stuck. Oh, stupid ice. I always knew I would die caked in something. Yeah, better turn off that engine before those fumes put us in tombs. Wait, let's just leave it on till we forget our troubles. Sounds like a plan. So Skinner is in writing lines. I ain't not a Dorcas. I can't do this. It's a grammatical nightmare. Get him out. <laughs> uh, they're whipping Skinner. I actually, by the end of it, I actually felt sorry for Skinner. I thought they were just being cruel. He was copping a bit. Uh, the amount of flack he was copping was not commensurate with uh, what he'd put them through. No, no, so he was looking after them. He was, and they've actually, just, yeah. And yeah, they've I just mean, taken control and are now brutalising him. Look, what? Yeah, if they'd gone outside, they could have, yes, either frozen to death or, yeah, been eaten by wolves. So, yeah, Skinner yeah. is doing a fine job as an educator and, you know, parental substitute. He's doing the whole in loco parentis thing um, very, very well. Yeah, right, he shouldn't be copping as much flack as he's getting. No, so they're whipping Skinner so he climbs up the rope, they're tearing apart his office, and they break into the permanent records... Lisa here, this was very well written. Lisa is an outstanding student with a slight tendency towards know-it-allism. <laughs> That's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> and that whole bad thing with um, underachievement, yes. proud of it, which uh, yeah, was the, uh, the T-shirt du jour back in, what, 91, 92 or whatever. Um, yes, it's a bit old. When was yeah. this written? <laughs> yeah, very, very, very nice touch there. And Millhouse rips up the, uh, the permanent record, but it fixes itself up. I just thought that was a bit lame. Didn't really need to do like it. Didn't really serve any purpose. So what was the point in doing it? You know what I mean. It wasn't even funny. Or did yeah, you? Or did, or did you find it funny? I I didn't. I didn't. I didn't find it funny. Funny. I mean, it's like oh, well, yeah, the permanent record is literally a permanent record. <laughs> I think is that at first it annoyed me, but then I realised that you know they've always done shit like this. Like there was an episode where Santa's little helper is. I think he's on his way to the. No, no, it's the episode where he he um he mates with the other greyhound and they have the babies and the puppies, mm-hmm. and he sneaks out the window. But it's sort of like going extremely flat and sneaking through. Very unrealistic. But see, when I watched that, it didn't bother me. But when I watched hmm. this, it bothered me. But it shouldn't. Like, it, it, okay. been, the Simpsons have been doing this kind of stuff from since the beginning. So, whatever, you know. It only goes to show there are certain things that will just, uh, you know, give you the irrits or grind yeah. your gears. But, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just getting old. for different folks. <laughs> hmm. Maybe you are. <laughs> uh, Skinner... If they find out that he makes $25,000 a year, he's a millionaire. <laughs> he pays houses in the summer. <gasps> he's a billionaire. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think if you were... How old are the kids here? They're meant to be, what, eight, nine, something along those lines? Uh, but if you heard, some, yeah, if you heard that 10, someone was yeah. making twenty five k a year back then, you go, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of money. Yeah, That's a king's <laughs> ransom, yeah. Uh, Skinner realises that he's going to need help because they're just... What's, what's the term that he uses? I can't remember, but basically the kids are just not listening to him anymore. And he looks over and he sees Nibbles. He goes to get Nibbles. He writes the note, says, it's time for you to go save me, get some help. But unfortunately, Nibbles falls down. This is weird though, because so Nibbles is in the ball, sinks in the snow, right? Game over, Nibbles. But yet, in like a minute's time, he bursts through Homer and Flanders' window. Did we, did we miss something? No, just never underestimate the resilience of Nibbles, I reckon. Nibbles is a hamster, a guinea pig, yes. He's a hamster, but they, they could have at least shown us him escaping, right? I know, but he's been, you know, working up his, uh, you know, little leg strength on his uh, on his hamster wheel, or goodness knows what. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to, 
you know, get his second wind and uh, and save the day. Maybe the wolves dug him out and then he somehow escaped from the wolves. That's true. There could be a bit, a bit of camaraderie between our animal friends there. Yeah. Nelson catches Skinner um, using nibbles. Skinner offers the hall monitor job. I spit on your monitors. Yes, that's why the job's open. <laughs> Marvelous! Enough! I grow weary of your sexually suggestive dancing. Bring me my ranch dressing hose! Homer, wake up! The car's filling with... I know! Ranch dressing! A hamster ball! Just like the one that saved Ezekiel. <gasps> We're free! And we've got something to eat. <laughs> now let's go save those kids. You're the camel. Homer uses his cruise control. <laughs> A fundamental shit. misunderstanding of what cruise control actually is. We get the guard with his horoscope. Today you encounter a challenge or something like that. <laughs> and the and meanwhile, the kids are all burning books. And like I said at the start, um, Skinner's mouth doesn't match the, the Huckleberry Finn there, but whatever, doesn't matter. I wonder what the, the original line was. Mm. But then we get, this was a great line. Do you have airbags? No, the church opposes them for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, I, I remember... Was it ages ago that, um, oh, no, we don't have insurance. Home, uh, Nettie thinks it's a form of gambling. <laughs> <laughs> they crash into the salt silo and basically they save the day because the salt silo runs down, melts all of the snow, and everyone is saved. And this is where we get the line I'm sure you were referencing earlier, the dirty line. What is it? Well done, Nibbles. Now chew through my ball sack. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, look, I don't know if I've got a dirty mind or not. I mean, well. That line is, yeah, there's, there's no sort of if ands, or buts about that. That's pretty dirty. But when uh, Skinner is hung up on like the pommel horse or something, uh, or not the pommel horse, but, you know, he's hung up and they're basically using him as a pinata, the dodgeball sack that he's in actually kind of looks like a ball sack. I mean, it looks like oh, it's really? got, it looks like it's got hairs and that on it. You don't trim? <laughs> <laughs> oh no no i'm just as god made me um <laughs> anyway but yes um yes truth through my ball sack which is uh, even nibbles is somewhat taken aback by that <laughs> nibbles is like i'm out mate Chalmers arrives <laughs> wants an explanation doesn't really get an explanation but the but insists that one exists so Chalmers is happy rides off on his uh what is that? A snow ski mobile? Yeah, a little uh, jet ski. Yeah, I was about to say jet snowmobile. ski. But, um, yeah. yeah, snowmobile. So here was a little reference to the episode that many people say is the the beginning of the downfall of The Simpsons, Principal and the Pauper, where we find out that Skinner's not really Skinner. Ah, yes. Because he says here, now, but there's one thing I'm good at is pretending things didn't happen. So that's what happens in that episode. So basically, they just say, we're going to pretend this whole thing never happened, and that's that. So that, I believe, is a reference to that episode. Well, that's what okay. I'm going with anyway. Yeah. But tricks Skinner into thinking that he wasn't paying attention, but he was. Then they all drive home, and the exhaust fumes make Homer go, ah, uh, sort of like lose his mind again, hallucinate. And he thinks Bart and Lisa are the camel, and these. Well, no, yeah. Lisa's a camel, and, uh, yeah, Bart is a harem girl, and, yeah, that's when things get a bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit weird. 
Yes, he kisses Bart and Lisa turns into a camel and she says, Merry Christmas, blah, blah, blah. So the, the end is a little bit silly, but, you know, whatever. It was uh, overall, compared to the last three weeks, I think it was... I appreciated it more because they gave us an ending, like we said. It was a Christmas episode, which is I always like. Um, there was a little bit of wholesomeness to it. The so, a different dynamic as well. It's not very often we get to see Skinner versus the kids in this kind of way where they're secluded. And it's not yeah. very often that we get to see Homer and Flanders stuck in a situation together. And it's yeah. always funny shenanigans when it happens as well. So I think both it of those combined really make for a great episode. I agree with you 100%, Dando. What do we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, look, I think I learned that uh, any problem in the world, and certainly around this time, around 2000, uh, could be solved uh, with three simple words. I don't know, internet. <laughs> Pretty much, that is exactly right, especially at that time. Well, I mean, as we discussed during the um, as we discussed during the review, we we just thought the internet could fix everything, didn't we? We do, and I think we still do, unfortunately. Well, my parents I mean, definitely think that Google can fix anything, or can. Well, basically, Google can tell you any information you need to know. I know, and I've found I'm, I found myself sort of doing that more and more. You know, um, I'll be say watching TV with lovely Louise, and uh, you know, it's like, where is such and such in relation to so and so? And I'm like. I'm not sure, but and then we the phone. Uh, it's uh, about 1,500 kilometers away from. Oh wow, okay. So, I always find too that sometimes you have moments where, if you really thought about it, you could think of the answer, but you're just so lazy because you know Google can tell you straight away. <laughs> I think that is yeah, not often the case, but uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely sometimes the case. I learned that you should definitely never get into a car with a Christian, apparently, because I don't believe in airbags. <laughs> I have yet to test that. <laughs> Jamail! Jamail is here! Ooh. Mailbag for this week. We had a few questions come through for Skinner's Sense of Snow. Alrighty, let's go here. First question, what is it? Georgia Catherine says, have you ever been trapped anywhere? What were the circumstances and how did you escape? How long have I been married for? <laughs> you should have tried your crusty impression after that one. That would have been no, good. that's um, that I'm, I'm of course saying the Nicholas trap, not myself. Um, oh, naturally, of course. Yes, <laughs> uh, trap somewhere. I think I've told the story before on the podcast where I, I, I still got the toy box in the garage here. Actually, my grandfather, my my mum's dad, who's passed away when I was a lot younger, he built me a toy box. And it's big enough for a, you know a, an adult to get inside of it, but I was just a kid at the time. I remember yeah. I got in, and then um my cousin sat on it and wouldn't let me out. And my mum had gone to the shop and he just sat there for a good 20 minutes and I freaked out. Oh my God. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> That's some weird kind of Guantanamo Bay torture. <laughs> I would have been about oh. seven or eight at the time. And it's, I mean, oh. I could still breathe because there's still gaps in the wood and whatnot. But the idea of it's... not being able to escape is always something that just really scares me. I don't think I've ever been in that kind of situation. If I have, I have suffi uh, sufficiently sort of suppressed it over the years that I've forgotten all about it. But uh, ever been trapped in an I... elevator? Not not for long enough that I started to panic about it. I don't okay. think I've ever been sort of uh, yeah trapped anywhere that uh, really sort of disturbed me. Um, You're trapped in this podcast now. Well, that's true. But this is I I, uh, I built my own prison and I happily live in it, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to recall if I've ever got like trapped in, say, um, you know, like a like a, a not a parking lot, but you know what I mean, a, a car park and a multi-level car park or something mm. like that. You know, one of those things. Where it's like, oh god, it's now it's 
you know, I thought it closed at midnight, but it actually closed at 11 o'clock, and now I'm, I'm trapped in here forever. I get the feeling that might have happened like once or something, but uh, <laughs> I'm really going to have to sort of do some self-hypnosis or something and figure out, oh, did I, <laughs> did I get trapped anywhere? I don't think I did. But that, I think that would be kind of terrifying, though, one of those multi-level car parks and being trapped in there overnight. Well, it's funny because there's another question here where they've said that, um, like Harrison McClure, they've, they've written, have you ever watched an episode and imagined yourself in a similar scenario? Because for him, he loves this episode because when he was younger, he loved the idea of being snowed in at school with all these friends. He thinks that would have been a great time. And I think we discussed something similar. Imagine like being locked in the mall. Remember when Milhouse and Bart got trapped yes. in the mall? So somewhere like that. I think when you're a kid, the idea of it, it's much more appealing than when you're an adult. I think if I was an adult and I got trapped in the, the shopping complex in Geelong, Westfield, I'd be like, yeah, all the shops are closed. I can't get into the shops. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, anything, everything I want, I've already bought from these places. They're all at home. <laughs> They're at my place. <laughs> Alrighty. So David Mott here's got a good question for yourself, I would assume. It says, what are some of your least favorite Christmas movies? Christmas specials of existing shows also apply. I mean, I've got to throw it out there. It's been said before, but the Star Wars Christmas special is atrocious. I have still never seen it. I mean, really? I still have enough. I've got enough residual Star Wars love that I'm like, oh, I heard this thing is an absolute nightmare. Uh, everyone just seems embarrassed to be there. You know what? I know it's there, but no, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to try and make, yeah, make it to the end of the road without having my Star Wars memory sullied. Uh, well, even more than they could have been by, say, Rise of Skywalker, which I still haven't rewatched. <laughs> which one? Rise? I haven't rewatched really it either. I, it was on Disney Plus. I watched the first 10 minutes and I just went, nah. <laughs> it's, sad, it's sad, isn't it? But I mean, the thing is, though, those movies weren't for me. They were for Elliot's generation. They were for the younger generation. It's their trilogy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So who cares if I don't like it? I still pay my money to go see it at the cinema and that's all they cared about. But what I was going to, what I was going to say was the Star Wars Christmas special. I remember this is long before YouTube and everything was accessible. There used to be a website. I can't remember what it was called, but it was kind of like the dodgy version of eBay where you could burn TV shows and whatnot and sell oh, them yeah. on there. And I remember there was this, you know, it was only spoken about. It was the Star Wars Christmas special. And in Australia, it never aired on TV. And no one ever knew about it. No one had ever seen it in Australia kind of thing. Except for the hardcore fans. My uncle Darren is a hardcore Star Wars fan. He got me into Star Wars. And I remember as a birthday gift, I um I got him this this Star Wars Christmas special. I was so excited to watch it. You know, it was like never been seen before. <laughs> the first appearance of Boba Fett and all this other stuff. So, and he was pumped as well. And we, we put it in. And I, hadn't, I didn't watch it before. We watched it together. We put it down. I saw he put it in, watched it, and no shit, like the first 10 minutes is just like people in Wookiee outfits making Wookiee sounds. And there's you, no like subtitles or anything no, like that. No, it's there. just Wookiee sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and we just sort of looked at each other and went, uh, are you going to turn it off or am I going to turn it off? Because this is fucking terrible. It's, how old um, were you at this stage, sorry? What, I would have been maybe 12 to 14. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it would have been inappropriate for your um, for your uncle to sort of turn. He's like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, I oh, know he would have said it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Darren. Um, but yeah, so the Star Wars Christmas, I'm worth, it's worth watching just to see what the stories are about. But man, it's it's um, it's not good. You can understand may, why you can understand why George to- Lucas wanted a band from existence. I think so. I think I'm probably going to try and make it to the end of the line and be like you know when um. Uh, when Homer and Bart went to see the Itchy and Scratchy movie, ah, finally. Yeah. And I'll just be like, 
Which one of them's the Wookiee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Hard Solo? Yeah, and and just be so far gone that I won't give a shit. What's <laughs> crazy is that that all these things that aired before Star Wars was a huge deal. You know, they, they also appeared on the Muppet Show and things like that, and mm. that kind of stuff you just never see anymore because George Lucas just doesn't want it known. You know that yeah, his it's, his it's... trademark characters were all just on these random kids shows. Well, I think I, I think. Pretty much everyone regards his decision to keep hold of the merchandising as one of the most savvy business decisions ever. Oh, mate, 100%. Same with Alec uh, Alec Guinness. Is it McGuinness or Guinness? Just Guinness. Just Guinness, yes. He he didn't get paid much to actually star in the film, but took a cut of the merchandising. That was genius. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, but if we're talking about uh, Christmas movies that I don't really, that I'm not really into, look, you'll probably hate me for this, Dando, but I'm not a huge Jingle All the Way guy. Oh, neither. Am. I, I watched it recently, and it's more of a nostalgia kick for me because I liked it when I was a kid. But I watched it and went, "Oh, this last half an hour is rough." <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's 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 really bad. It's, the thing is, it's not playing to any of Arnold's strengths. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think. I think twins and especially kindergarten cop were such sort of pleasant surprises. It's like, oh, you know, Arnold could actually be funny when we sort of use him in the right way. And then it was like, okay, well, let's try and slot him into just about any comedy. It's like, no, he's this isn't right for him, playing sort of like a, you know, a harried, overworked dad who just, you know, wants to get his son the best Christmas present ever. It's like, mm. there are one or two gags in that that could possibly work or possibly sort of you know, work with the Arnold persona. But yeah, most of the time it's just like, mm, no, you could have just got, I don't know who, I'm trying to think who would have been the, uh, like a, like, you could have got Michael Keaton or someone like that. Yeah, that could have worked. And, but the thing yeah. is, Sinbad was so annoying in that film. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think we were trying to make Sinbad a thing there for a while. And also, and I know this is and- harsh because he's just a child, but Jake Lloyd is not a good actor. No. <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know how George Lucas looked at that child and went, "That's my Anakin." <laughs> nor, nor do I really. I mean, I, I remember sort of doing a little bit of uh, a bit of research and reading around '99 when Phantom Menace came out because everyone, was like, oh well, you know, they're not building the franchise around this around this kid, but you know, he's playing a pivotal role in the relaunch of Star Wars. You know, where did they find this Jake Lloyd kid or whatever? And I think he'd been in like one or two other movies other than Jingle All The Way where he'd actually, you know, it's like, oh, this kid's not a bad child actor or whatever. But yeah, look, I mean, I barely remember in Jingle All The Way and when it comes to Phantom Menace, like, oh, even like the best child actor, you know, even Haley Joel Osment would probably have, you know, trouble bringing this shit to life. Oh, yeah. The, the, it was, the script was the main issue in that film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and look, as far as other Christmas movies, look, I can't, say this with any authority because I haven't watched the whole thing yet but I saw this trailer for this Netflix thing coming up called Jingle Jangle okay which is sort of which is like a um, Christmas fairy tale setting like the magical toy kingdom or whatever but um, it just seemed so sort of everyone's beaming at the camera and you know sort of jazz hands and you know hip-hop numbers and just really shitty comic relief I'm like oh god there's a generation of kids are going to think this is the absolute bomb but you know honestly I would not watch this with a gun to my head (laughs) (laughs) jingle jangle you have to check it out jingle jangle (laughs) alright let's pick one more question here shall we Uh, let's 
Actually, we'll go one more question. There's a little sort of like a story here from Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer. So Andrew Swan says, what is the <laughs> what is the worst weather event that you've ever been in personally? Did anything crazy come of it? I remember, remember when the floods happened in Geelong in 95? I do, yeah. That was mental. Yeah. All the golf courses were just dis- they're gone. <laughs> I know. And I was, yeah, you'd, you'd be driving around the streets and occasionally say, oh my God, I'm going to have to, you know, break right here because then that, that, that yeah the roads are just completely covered you know you'd you'd be they'd be halfway up your uh your driver's side door yeah it was pretty bloody terrifying i remember the um, bar over the barren river hit the barren river bridge oh that's right yeah, yeah it was it out was of control pretty bloody scary we had an, an incident i think it was a few years ago um uh, there was a really really violent hailstorm and I remember just thinking, oh, my God, one of these things is actually going to punch through the roof of my house. <laughs> was, I mean, they were really loud. Very, and looked out on the, uh, on the front lawn. It honestly looked like it had been snowing. There was so much, so much hail, and, and, it was, you know, the, and the stones were really, really big. Honestly, on the, um, I'm recording this in my bedroom, as I do, my little recording studio, and I'm looking out at the um, – <laughs> sorry, I've forgotten the word for it. Uh, screens over the window. The fly wire. Yeah, the screen wire over the uh, over the window, flywire. Yeah, it's got holes punched in it from the uh, from really. Where the, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they look like they look like bullet holes. Maybe this is the same storm. Was do you think it was like from two thousand and sixteen, like be- yeah. before that? Yeah, because I remember just before Ford closed down, like sixteen, it would have been earlier that year. I reckon there was a massive storm here, and parts of the roof were just collapsing in at Ford, and they didn't bother to fix it because we were shutting down. So we just had we just had holes in the roof. Oh, hell. <laughs> Every time it rained, there was just water coming in. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're the main ones that um that I remember certainly locally. But what did uh what did Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer have to say about this? Oh, she says no. This is a different story. She says not related to the episode, but she thought she'd oh. air this out just quick. She says she really appreciates listening to the both of us in preparation for a screenwriting fellowship coming soon. Uh, we both have given her some surprisingly fruitful lessons in TV writing, be it through commenting on the show's best worst moments, to just last week when you wrote "Comfort is the," uh, you said sorry, "Comfort is the enemy of creativity." Oh. It really helps her tackle some of her writer's block in her current scripts. Uh, please keep it up. I'll be sure to continue listening to you guys during my long and arduous train rides through the Blue Mountains in the next two weeks. So there you go, Mister Davis. Yeah. You're teaching people things. <laughs> oh, we we both did, Dan. And look, best of success to uh, to uh, Miss Catalina Wine Mixer with all her uh, writing endeavours. Keep it up. Um, as they say, you can't edit an empty page. So yeah, just get it on the page and yeah, then turn it into something great. And and hey, biomeds keep following our advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's very uh, very wise advice. You can't edit an empty page. I like it. It's it's uh, yeah, it's one that I like to sort of try to follow even though I've got a lot of empty pages strewn around the place you should write for fortune cookie so ooh maybe I should <laughs> alrighty well next week we're going to be reviewing one of my favourite episodes of all time it's Homer the one where Homer has the crown shoved up his brain and uh, I always consider this to be one of the best episodes post season 10 I've always really really enjoyed this episode so I'm really looking forward to doing our review but I hope you enjoyed our review of Skin A Sense Of Snow don't forget to uh, rate and review us in the iTunes store. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod and follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. But like I said, rate and review us in the iTunes store. We'd really appreciate the support there, guys. And if you want uh, access to this show a week early, 
Tales of Futurama, Talking Seinfeld, Take a Look at Mandalorian, another podcast a few weeks earlier than the free feed. Just going to be a four-figure discount Patreon, patreon.com slash four-figure discount, where for just $1, you get access into the four-figure discount Facebook group, and you can take part in the Guy Davis New Name Championships. But for now, I am Dando, Mr. Davis. Any final words for the listeners? Nourish. Shh.